Good evening, everybody. Locked on Browns, episode 191. I am your host, Jeff Lloyd. Guys, follow the show. We're hoping to get the show to a uh, 2K follower account by the draft. Obviously, we follow everybody back from that account, guys. You help so much, you know, set up the show as always, guys. Great recommendations. Have set up a bunch of great guests. I do appreciate it for that. So let's keep that going. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, I'm hanging in there. Last night's show was a little difficult. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, love you, buddy, but you sent a you sent a Ivan Drago body blow through the Cleveland Browns universe yesterday. Uh, what to make of it still? I have no idea, guys. Just, you know, look, we're just going to have to play this one out, play it as it lies, so to speak. Obviously, we're going to know more come April 26th. Our guest here this evening, um, one of my favorite, you know, I know a lot of people, guys, nowadays, so much of you guys aren't into the long form of writing. Me, I'm older, I'm a traditionalist, I love it, <laughs> so I'm actually glad that my guest here, Danny Ke- Danny Kelly from The Ringer, uh, Danny does some fantastic work, actually just put out a piece today where he basically took one play from each one of the top prospects in the draft class, you know, went a little bit, you know, went in depth with all that. Uh, Danny, first of all, thanks for coming on, man, how's everything going? It's going pretty well, uh, I'm just really looking forward to kind of the, the draft run-up being over, you know, it, it's... I got. I think I have two more mock drafts I got to put together. I got a couple of features coming up, but um, just kind of ready to see what happens. It's like all the suspense is killing me at this point. Uh, quick tip, Danny. Uh, don't put Josh Allen at one or four, <laughs> and you'll do okay in the Cleveland market. I'll, do, I'll just give you that one. There's a good I've been pretty consistent. It's always been Sam Bradford. I think I've done three already, and I'm or, Sam, sorry, Dar- Sam Bradford. <laughs> yeah, oh, Sam yeah, Darnold, and. Uh, I'm kind of sticking with that. I think, you know, I don't know, like we were talking about before the show, I don't know why they would have a smoke screen at this point with the Josh Allen stuff, but um, I don't know. I, I it just, I, I'm still kind of just on the train that the the Browns are going to do what I think is the right thing and, and take Darnold at number one and, and then just start from there. But I mean, it's the draft and anything can happen and, and weird stuff happens every year. So I, I just don't really know. All it takes is one owner, one GM to have a yeah. crazy dream one night, and then all of a sudden, face of a franchise goes downhill. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing with Sam Darnold, I, yeah, everyone thinks it's the easy connection, which I do too. I think a lot of it comes down to is who can you put in this Cleveland Browns spot? You're talking about a 131 team, new front office, you still have the same head coach. A lot more of this, it isn't so much about who's the best quarterback. A lot of it for the Browns is who's the guy that can come in here. And, you know, the mess that's been going on here, who is this not going to affect? You know, who's, right. the, who's the strongest guy mentally? Which why I think everything turns to Sam. The guys I talk to who still tell me, look, I still think it's Sam Darnold, everybody I'm talking to. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that Sam Darnold and Josh Allen do have the same representation. So a lot of it is, look, mm. you know, if this is your guy, could you... And you know there's a lot of wink-wink and, you know, the soft elbow. <laughs> right. You, you know, could you... Keep pumping that name, you know, because obviously if you're an agency, hey, if you got two quarterbacks, you'd kill for them to go top three, top four, whatever it be. <laughs> so you never know. I mean, look, I mean, that's the one that kind of gets me through the day. You know, the, didn't work last night, but days like that. Uh, you could look at it. You could look at it like this. Maybe, maybe Cleveland's just saying we want other teams to have to work really hard at this and, and waste time, or you know, quote waste time evaluating Darnold, you know, going through the going through the motions of actually just like, you know, if it's not a foregone conclusion, then they have to spend time on him. So well, that's a there's thing. a now The Jets are going to have him in. He's going to work out for the Bills on Friday, or I think he worked out today. I know he's going to now visit the Jets. So it's interesting, you know, the way they're going to go that route. Um, maybe the fact that, you know, hopefully they can get everybody thinking about Josh Allen. So if he's there at four, they can maybe move out of four. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's there's a lot to it, and but man, we really need the 26 to get here, Brown wise. <laughs> uh, Danny, a team we don't get to talk much about on this show. Um, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, now look, yeah. d- uh, Russell Wilson in place. So you know, offensively, it's a lot easier to put that together when you know what you have behind center. Uh, you know, the Legion of Boom. Obviously, Sherman has moved on. Uh, do we even have you know whether or not Cam Chancellor is going to be able to play this year? Give me some thoughts. Is it? I don't know if I want to say rebuild because there's still enough there, but I mean, right? Is it a transition transition period for the Seahawks? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the term I've been using: transitional period or reset kind of season. I, you know, I think they certainly have lost a lot of talent over the off season. I mean, we're kind of operating under the assumption right now that Chancellor is going to retire. Cliff Averill is probably going to retire. Both of those guys had. Uh, neck injuries, you know, stingers that turned into much more serious neck injuries that, you know, potentially affect their career. And so, you know, I guess we're just going into the season assuming that both Chancellor and Sherman, well, Sherman's definitely gone. Chancellor and Sherman are gone. Now there's kind of the talk that Earl Thomas might be traded. And so it's certainly a reset or transition period to kind of like getting younger, I think. Not necessarily younger, but like they're moving on certainly from the legion of boom era you know they're, they're kind of resetting and, and resetting their identity i think and trying to get back to the run and you know this is kind of russell wilson's team now for sure like it after lynch left after marshawn lynch left it was it was russell wilson's offense but the defense was still like the identity of the team and now it, it kind of feels a little bit more like it, it's russell wilson's team for sure now so you know, we'll see what that means. I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson's a very talented quarterback. He had kind of a down couple of years in terms of his efficiency. Obviously, he led the NFL in touchdown passes, but his efficiency has been a little up and down over the last few years. He struggled with injuries in, in 2016, and then last year, the Seahawks just in general weren't as good. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't protect him. Um, so we'll see We'll see where it takes him. But I, I agree, like, it's not necessarily a rebuild just because, I mean, you still have Wilson. You still got you know, an all pro middle linebacker and Bobby Wagner, there's still talent on that defense. You know, there's still going to be a pretty good defense, I think. And so I don't know if you can call them a complete rebuild, but they're certainly going to be less talented overall. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing if that means that they're going to be, you know, worse in the win column or not too. I think obviously talent is usually a good indicator indicator of how well you do in, in the NFL, but not always, you know, sometimes team chemistry matters and sometimes, the identity of your team matters and so yeah it's going to be an interesting season i think that's that's basically how i'm looking at it it's, it's going to be new it's going to be um you know different and, and yeah i've it's like been the it's been kind of the legion of boom era for the last five or six years and so it, it's going to be kind of a, a weird feel this year for the seahawks well i mean look i mean it, it's you know it, it's okay when you're moving on from what was something big when you have some hardware granted it should be too but you know, yeah. yeah. You, but that was brought to Seattle. Uh, you know, Chris Carson, obviously, you know, who uh, you know was kind of a little bit of a darling last year until he went down with the injury. Uh, and but you look at it though, and also in you know, a tough spot in the division here. You know, obviously the Rams yeah. just looking. I mean, putting everything together for a phenomenal roster coming off of winning a division last year. Uh, San Francisco, obviously, writing the ship. I, I don't know what to say about the Cardinals. <laughs> I, really have, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have no rhyme or reason to what they're doing out there. So. You know, yeah. it'll be interesting. I mean, you kind of got to reload. I mean, because the other thing was is, you know, Rams and, you know, and Niners, you know, both younger and kind of yep. on a level playing field. So, I mean, you certainly weren't going to be able to go out this year and jump them with an older roster. So, we'll see how it plays out for the, uh, for the Seahawks. Guys, locked on MLB. It's pretty much up and running for every team. 
we're deep into the season here now. Guys, I'm going to keep bringing up my New York Mets because it's a hot start. I can enjoy it. But Locked On MLB Network, guys, anything going on over there? The guys are working really hard. You're getting daily shows over there as well. So find your favorite team. Go ahead and follow along. Now, Danny, usually when I start, when I have anybody on here, look, we're you know, talking the draft. This is your first time on. Give me some guys. Obviously, you wrote the piece today. Give me some guys that have really caught your eye so far through the process of this draft class. Well, I think the first guy that comes to mind, obviously, I really like the running back class. I think there's some really fun guys in the running back class. But um, the the guy that kind of stood out when I was watching his tape is Derwin James. And it was kind of just, I mean, I went, I tried to find, and I wrote an article for today that was essentially picking out one play that explains what a guy can do. Essentially, you know, obviously you can't boil one, you can't boil the player down to one play. It's just impossible, but... I tried to find an, a representation of what he can do, and it was really hard because he does so many different things. Um, you know, he's good in coverage. I think he's 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 a, a tone setter slash like intimidator in the run against the run. He can he can run in coverage, and and he's even kind of like got some some pass rush chops as like a blitzer, and um, even you know I've seen him a couple times just line up on the edge and, and rush the passer. So mm-hmm. I really think he's he's the kind of guy who. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the NFL. I think he's kind of a difference maker type of player. I, I, you know, coming from you know my fanhood of Seattle, obviously the Cam Chancellor dominated for the last few years, and I just think you know that kind of player can have a big impact on the game and when they're healthy and, and you know playing on. And I think that James kind of has that upside. So um, he's a, he's a player that I was a big fan of, kind of going through again, just going through everybody's tape over the last few days he was the guy that was like man this guy's fun to watch um another player i mean this is kind of you know obvious i guess but denzel ward i think is really good um he's just sticky in coverage he's he's he plays bigger than i think he is obviously he's he's a little bit undersized for i think what some teams want but he's got long arms he's you know he's physical he's tenacious and um you know going through his tape i was just like man he is he's just everywhere he's just a really good player and so i think those are the first two guys that just came to mind when you asked me that question i'm there's there's a lot of really fun interesting players obviously quentin nelson and saquon barkley are easy are easy picks for that one um i'm a i'm a kind of a fan of vita via just because he he was a big deal here in washington this last year and so um yeah there, there's quite a few guys that i think are just super interesting this year well you know first quincy, uh, quincy nelson went to I mean, Quentin Nelson went to my high school here in New Jersey, oh. and and the best thing about knowing about Quincy, uh, Quentin Nelson was knowing him as a young kid, and you know, here's a guy. Look, it's fantastic that you're going to get your guy who's going to come in with an All Pro pedigree, but it's even better when he is just that good off the field. Whatever he yeah. gets, so, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to the success that a Joe Thomas had, but you're bringing that type of guy into your building, into your city, and you look. I mean, people, oh, you can't draft a guard top five. Well, I got news for you. If he makes seven, eight all-pro teams, you're not going to care if you draft him <laughs> at three, four, wherever you drafted him. The point is to get the best players possible. Oh, yeah, Darwin absolutely. James, I am a die-hard Florida State fan. I grew oh, up yeah? in the East. Awesome. I, I had my older uncles and my father shoving Penn State down my throat, shoving Notre Dame. <laughs> 1987 Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Florida State took the opening kickoff. One kick returner took it. Took a 15-yard, ran 15 yards diagonally to one sideline, stopped and tossed the ball all the way across the field to the other kickoff returner who took it up the field for like another 30. I was like, now this is what I needed. This is what I needed to say. This option stuff I'm done with now. Here, I'm home. I found it. 
That's so awesome. Derwin is a guy I love now. And part of what the interesting thing is, and you know, we start to use, you know, it went to a guy's versatile to now a guy's a hybrid, and where you kind of get almost, almost everybody, you know, what, between safeties, linebackers, and defensive linemen, you know, everybody now we're almost to the point where they're almost six three to six foot five. Yeah. You know, they're almost two thirty to two sixty, and ridiculous, amazing athletes. Uh, the pass rush when you brought up Derwin James is a pure freshman playing at Florida comes, takes his right arm, and tosses a senior right tackle at the University yeah. of Florida on his I've ass seen that one. seven yeah. yards. And you, he's an 18-year-old kid doing this. Oh, man. Um, I think any defensive coordinator, you know, he's got to be the one. Like, he's, he's got the hand waving. I know what, you, I know what you're talking about. Over yes, I know you want to bring up Derwin James again. I know. Look, can we have one meeting where we don't talk about Derwin James? I know you want him. <laughs> I get it, dude. I do. I know you want him. All right, just wanted to make sure. Just want to make sure I'm on record. So Derwin does bring that type of stuff. I mean, there's some people even talking the way he tested, you know, go the Jalen Ramsey rap with him. And, and right. you know, I don't mind that if a guy is athletic enough, but, you know, I still like to watch a guy just run all over the field and just destroy things. You know, and like watching Cam Chancellor in his prime, just, you know, he set the tone in that Super Bowl win. Yeah. I believe it was, yeah. uh, it wasn't Sanders, it was uh, Thomas over the Yeah, Demarius. He Demarius. literally lit the living daylights out of him. You looked yep. at Peyton Manning. You looked at Denver. It was over. It was over right then and there because Denver knew they did not have what Seattle was bringing that day. So you always want that type of presence and a guy that you can put anywhere. And if you need to put him outside to shut down a wide receiver for a play or two, need him to take out a linebacker, a tight end, he, he's got the versatility to do any of that and, and bring it with authority. So, you know, anytime anybody wants to talk Derwin James, I am more <laughs> than down with that. Uh, I remember I, I – I, uh was listening to a move that sticks podcast a couple years ago and I, I just always stuck with me and, and uh daniel jeremiah was talking about um some i guess just scouting maxims or notes that always keep in mind when you're scouting from bill belichick and and one of them was you can dominate the game from the safety position and i don't know why but that just really stuck with me i think it was because it was like in the seahawks heyday when i heard it and it was like you know earl thomas and cam chancellor just freaking dominating you know every single game and obviously like you said chancellor dominated that super bowl he, he should have been that super bowl mvp i mean really it was malcolm smith but he w- he was like the player of that game he set the tone for the seahawks he set the tone for the game really and so um i mean when you can kind of just shut down the middle of the field like that i think that's big because then if you got length on the outside it's just really hard to throw you know deep on the outside if you have a guy like that who can kind of take over and set the tone in the inside of the middle of the field or whatever then that really limits what the offense can do. So, yeah, I'm all about it. I, I, you know, obviously, it's it's hard. I think it's hard to evaluate safeties, but he just kind of jumped off the tape for me. And uh, even when he first got to Florida State, and, and look, I'm not one of these guys that gets into look. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay, they signed a five star recruit. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything about the guy. And then <laughs> one of these guys who does follow it, you know, sent some stuff over, and I was just like, first things first, he looked like the guy who was 25 years old just showed up at a high <laughs> right, school game right. and threw him a uniform. Because, I mean, he was a crazy big, you know, and crazy filled out at such a young age. But, I mean, just ridiculous what this guy's capable of. Uh, Danny, there's there's a lot of, there's not a lot of issues here in Cleveland because most people who don't look at it and get deep into this Browns roster, you just think 0-16. They suck from top to bottom. They need a new 53 every year. The right. pass regime has done a solid job. Uh, you know, they move, you know, obviously some guys got moved on kind of revamp the entire cornerback position this offseason. Yeah. This part is, is they kind of put themselves in a position where if they do move on from this coaching staff, which is at least 50-50 after 2018, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the guys are on short contracts, so they can kind of just go ahead and revamp that again to suit whatever maybe the new defensive coordinator is looking here. But there are some holes. Uh, you know, you got some guys here that you think, and you know, just stick away from Josh Allen, Josh Allen please, because <laughs> it's been a tough forty-eight hours over here. Sorry, what? I said you got some guys that you think here. I know you, you said you had two guys that you really thought would probably be good fits here early for Cleveland. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You cut out. Um, yeah, so I kind of I was just looking. And you actually, it's it's funny because, like you said, when you think, oh, they're one in thirty-one in the last two years, um, you think, oh, their their roster must be terrible. But I think the Browns actually do have a better roster than their record indicates, which you know says a little bit about the coaching staff, whatever. But you know, I think obviously with the first pick, my guy is Darnold. I think that I, I've been consistently wanting him to go there. I think that makes the most sense. You know, he's got a lot of upside. He's he's kind of a, a potential to be the total package kind of quarterback, and I think he wants to be there. You know, he, I think the Cleveland fans mostly want him to be there. I think it's just a good situation. Um, at number four. The two guys that I just, I mean, it's this is not a big secret, but the two guys that I like there are obviously Bradley Chubb and Saquon Barkley. I think even if, you know, even with the Carlos Hyde contract, I still think that Barkley makes sense, you know, for the Browns just because he, he won. He, he is an upgrade, I think, probably over Hyde. And, and that's, you know, he gives them a little bit more in the run game. They've obviously got a pretty good running, or they've obviously got a pretty good offensive line. I think he could make them look even better. Um, he adds so much to the to the passing game as well, and so what they could do with you know Barkley and Duke Johnson kind of like on the field together at the same time would be a lot of fun. I think it would be hard for defenses to match up with that. They'd have to figure out, you know, are we bringing on our base for our, our base personnel to kind of stop the run? Are we going to bring out nickel because these guys can both run run you know pass routes or whatever? I think it just kind of presents problems. So I like the idea of Barkley, you know, in, at number four spot, but. I would really, really love to see the Bradley Chubb, uh, Miles Garrett match, you know, on the same line. I think that would just be really fun, and I think it would, it would make that defense, you know, quite a bit better. So, those are the two guys I really like at number four. And moving on to the kind of the second round, the early, early part of the second round. You know, I don't know. You probably know better than I do in terms of like what the situation is, you know, in the secondary. But I still think they could probably add a corner in the draft. The thing um, with the cornerback group is they have a bunch of guys. But, I mean, if you're going to fill out a pecking order, you're going to spend all day saying who's number two, who's number three, who's number four, who's the nickel, who's the guy in dime. Right. The one thing you're not answering is is, is who's the top dog of this group. And, look, right. I mean, you know, if you ever need a cornerback one, I, I mean, if the guy's good enough to be a CB1, you know, what defensive coordinator he plays for, it, it's not really going to matter. Right. So a couple guys, like if – Say a Josh Jackson from Iowa or Mike Hughes, uh, UCF, fall to that 33 spot. I think those are both guys that have been touted as first-round talents, and I think they're both, you know, what they do bring is both of those guys bring production, you know, ball production. And I think that's been kind of a problem with the Browns in terms of they're just not getting turnovers. (laughs) Yeah, and so so I think those two guys really stood out to me at that 33 spot. Um, as you know, if they fall out of the first round, snatch up a good a good corner right there, and, and kind of add him to your group. Obviously, like you said, there's there's a lot of guys already in that group, but you know, no one's exactly standing out. And so, that's that's two guys that I think that could make a lot of sense at number thirty three. The other guy that kind of stood out for me is uh, Billy Price out of Ohio State. 
obviously the offensive line, um, the team spent big in free agency to bring in, you know, Zeitler and, and JC Treader. I don't know. Like, what is the kind of the view of JC Treader? I don't know if he's necessarily a long-term solution at center. Is that what, I, be- is I that believe pro- the way, I believe what everyone says the contract is, it's essentially a two, it was essentially a two year deal if they want it to be. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that guy, you know, Billy Price, he's he's a versatile guy. He he played multiple positions on the interior line. I think he can give them the immediate depth. He's he's an immediate starter upside. I mean, he could potentially beat out Treader in the in the in the training camp or whatever. And so, um, you know, it's it's doubling down on on a position of strength or whatever. But I think you know, offensive line give your quarterback a, a much better chance. If you have a good offensive line, you give your quarterback a much better chance of developing. And and the idea is to make uh, as soft of a landing spot for Darnold as possible. So um, that was the third guy that kind of kind of eyed there. He's an, he's a guy that a lot of people have him mocked in the first round. I think he potentially could fall, you know, into the early second. And so um, those are three players that I kind of had in mind for the for the first pick of the second round. Yeah, well, the thing with Billy Price, uh, you know, they're going to uh, take Sean Coleman from right tackle. They're going to put him at left. They signed Chris Hubbard to play right. Mm-hmm. Sean Coleman wasn't terrible at right tackle, but you'd also, you know, it's not like you said, well, he did such a fantastic job at right tackle. We're going to put him at left. It was more of a, well, Joe left. Yeah. I guess that puts you with it. But I, I do think they, if one of these good interior offensive linemen fall, whether it's a Billy Price, whether, you know, I don't think of Will Hernandez. But if one of these guys is there, you have Joel Batonio, who was a solid left tackle prospect. A lot of people thought he was going to go to guard. Mm. I mean, if you're going to go with the theory of, I want my five best offensive linemen out there, you know, you kind of say, Joel, hey, could you, could, I mean, we gave you a long-term deal. You're getting paid well. I kind of need you to bite the bullet here this year. I need to kick you outside. And let's, let's go that route. For me personally, you know, I've been around football my entire life. Offensive line, it, it's about getting your five best out there. And yeah. that's great that, you know, you want to play left tackle. I need a right guard. So that's where you're going to go today because this <laughs> is what we need to do. So it's interesting from that. Uh, guys, Lockdown NFL Draft. Uh, John Ledyard, Trevor Sikama, doing a great job there. Uh, they're doing the interactive mac- uh, interactive mock now with a bunch of guests from every team coming on. Uh, guys, check it out. They put together a strong bunch of shows here and a lot more in store by April 26th. So go ahead check out John and Trevor over at Lockdown NFL Draft. They got you covered over there. Uh, before we wrap it up here, Danny, like you said, you got some mocks to do. What else you got in the hopper here? Huh? We got about what? I think it's sixteen more wakeups before we can all get our lives back. <laughs> uh, the big thing I'm working on right now is a. It's kind of a breakdown on the intangibles that go into evaluation. Obviously, <clears throat> you know everybody can see what's on tape, but <clears throat> a big reason that you know teams have have some in the draft in general, and, and just it's it's hard to find guys in the draft is that. It's human beings evaluating human beings, and you just never really know what a guy's going to do, you know, how hard he's going to work or how success is going to affect him and all that. And so um, that'll be coming out, I think, on Thursday. I'm just kind of – I talked to a few people um, that are in the know about that, and uh, it's kind of a, just a fascinating angle in, in terms of how to how you deal with those intangibles. Understood. Uh, so let me ask you – before I, I – how about we give you this one here? Seahawks. You got a guy pigeonholed for your for you guys in round one or not? Uh, there's a couple of different positions that I've been mainly zeroing in on. Obviously, I think the offensive line has been a major issue for them. I'd just love to see them kind of get some stability on the offensive line. I think just Russell Wilson would have a lot easier job, you know, and he would be able to potentially do a lot more for them if he had some protection. So if you could just I've always around for sixty minutes. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not even. I don't even care so much. Uh, like the Seahawks, Pete Carroll talks about you know getting the run game back, and that's that's Pete Carroll's philosophy. I don't necessarily care about that as much as he does. He does. I want them to protect Russell Wilson, give him time because when he has time, he can tear up a defense. Um, and so, yeah, to me, I've been eyeballing you know offensive linemen, whether it's you know Connor Williams there. Or, you know, Will Hernandez or, or whoever. I, I just kind of been thinking, I think, number one, that they're probably going to try and move back at 18. And so if they drop down into the 20s, you know, late 20s or whatever it is, um, grab, if they can, an offensive lineman that is still there that could potentially, you know, slide into one of the, the, the guard spots or potentially even right tackle. So that's the main one. And I guess there's a chance that, that a guy like Marcus Davenport uh, falls to 18. And so he's another guy that, I kind of been keeping an eye on just because after losing um, Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, I think the Seahawks are kind of thin at the pass rusher position. So those are the two main kind of things I've been looking at. Okay, I, I, it does make sense. And Davenport, that is actually probably a good spot for him because he won't be. I mean, some people they're either crazy guy high on him or a little bit low on him. What he needs mm-hmm. is he's going to need a year of NFL reps because yeah. you know sometimes you know he'll play a little too high. He's got to play against this competition. And kind of understand, all right, well, what I was doing to destroy these other levels of players, levels of competition I was against might not work here. So, we, you know, right, we need to right. find it. And sometimes the only way you're going to learn it is to fail a little bit. You know, you're not going to get these free open rushing. You're not going to blow past guys <laughs> like he did in the conference he did. But, uh, guys, we're going to put a, locked, uh, a bow here on Locked On Browns, episode 191. Uh, follow Danny Kelly, at Danny B. Kelly. All his great work over at The Ringer. Guys, the site itself, I've, I've always been a fan of the work Bill Simmons, everything they do. I've, I got to listen to Bill a lot this past fall. He did a lot of local radio here in New York with Mike Francesa, you know, kind of like the god of this era. So New York sports talk radio here for me. So it was really good to listen to Bill just kind of just do normal, just chill sport talk. So you know, <laughs> the ringer, they do a bunch of great stuff over there. Check it out. Guys, follow the show at Locked On Browns. Uh, follow me at per- personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, we'll talk to you tomorrow night, and let's go Browns.